0: Hello and welcome to episode 254 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Remember me? Ever since I started this podcast almost five years ago, I've managed to produce a weekly show whatever has been happening in my private life. But just like the Mighty Leeds United too many times so far this season, last week I had to admit defeat, And I missed the recording. And this was because, as you may have seen from my social media, that I had a pretty nasty dose of COVID over the last couple of weeks. I'm afraid I wasn't fit to record an episode last week. It also meant I missed CrimeCon last weekend, which I was devastated about. I was so looking forward to it. But I'm pleased that I'm now feeling much, much better, and a big thank you to everyone who sent me your best wishes. Ah, and finally, I can't confirm or deny that I caught the virus in a Rochdale sauna. From next week, I'll be back in my usual Tuesday slot. As always, I would like to thank all my supporters at Patreon, but especially the new members of this exclusive club. That is Shane Wickham, Jennifer Bruce and Matthew McCormick Hughes. Thank you so much for taking the time to get behind me on Patreon. It is so much appreciated. Today's show is sponsored by Calm. Are you planning to be travelling for the first time in a while soon? If so, new surroundings can make it hard to fall asleep. You could just listen to the Kings of Leon, but a better idea is Calm's sleep stories, which will ensure that you'll be well rested on your next holiday or work trip. I was a little sceptical at first, as, probably like you, I'm used to using true crime to fall asleep, but they work really, really well for me, so why not give them a go? I'm super pleased to be partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. Clear your head with guided daily meditations. Improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks. As I just said, you can easily drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. And if you go to calm.com slash truecrimeuk, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription which includes hundreds of hours of programming. And new content is added every week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. Sleep more, stress less, live better with Calm. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash truecrimeuk. Go to calmcom UK for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's Calm.com/trucrimeUK. So let's set some context for today's story with our guest, the month and year game. I know it was just one week, but we both know that you missed it. Top of the UK charts was intensely private Lily Allen with the fear. In the US, the top spot was Dr. Dre, Eminem and 50 Cent with Cracker Bottle. And in Australia, Publicity Shy Lily Allen topped the album chart with It's Not Me, It's You. In the news this month at the British Academy Film Awards, the BAFTAs, British drama Slumdog Millionaire won seven awards, including Best Film and Best Director for Danny Boyle. And TV personality Jade Goody and her boyfriend Jack Tweed were married. Jade had been suffering from cervical cancer for six months and had been told this month that she just could have weeks to live after the cancer spread to her bowel, liver, and groin. And the Royal Bank of Scotland announced losses totalling 24.1 billion, the biggest loss in British corporate history. Alongside the announcement of its results, the Royal Bank of Scotland group announced that its former chief exec, Fred the Shred Goodwin, was to receive just the six hundred ninety three thousand a year pension for life. The announcement understandably led to widespread condemnation, while the government threatened legal action to claw back the payments. Remember that? Did you get the month and year? It was february two thousand nine. So on to today's story. Bethnal Green is in the very heart of East London, three miles northeast of Charing Cross. London's East End, of course, has a fascinating history, much of which stems, even today, from the dark activities of Jack the Ripper, who stalked the streets back in 1888, murdering at least five women. In 1943, Bethnal Green tube station was the site of an appalling loss of life. And although the event has never gained the same volume of column inches or TV documentaries as Jack the Ripper, locals would never forget the horror, Of the 173 people who were killed, following an air raid warning being sounded, which forced locals to race for cover at the tube station. Confusion and panic reigned and hundreds were trapped on the staircase. In the crush, 62 of these victims were children. Today, parts of Bethnal Green don't resemble the Bethnal Green that I remember growing up. You'll see that many parts have gone much more upmarket, and there's lots of trendy bars, nightclubs and restaurants. The area also hosts the famous Columbia Road Flower Market where bucketfuls of beautiful flowers are available in what must be London's nicest looking and smelling market. Shannon Vickers was a popular business studies student at Epping Forest College in Loughton, Essex. The 17-year-old was very committed to her work and had recently passed a whole host of exams. She was a genuinely quiet and serious girl and popular among those who knew her. She lived in Bethnal Green, in a fifth-floor flat in Cypress Street, with her mum Nicola, her grandma Pauline, Shannon's auntie and her 15-year-old son Brendan. Their dog Hooch and their cat Nut-Nut were also fond members of the household, and although it was a little cramped, the household was a happy one. If you know the area, the family lived pretty close to Victoria Park Gardens. We pick up the story on the 22nd of February 2009. It was just before 5.30 in the morning when somebody, or some people, made their way to the entrance of the fifth floor flat and stuffed something inside the letterbox. With breakneck speed, the flat was ablaze. A major fire rapidly took hold as thick black smoke and burning fumes filled the flat. Shannon and Pauline were asleep at the time the fire started, but both woke up due to the intense heat and smoke that filled the flat. Pauline ran into her granddaughter's bedroom and tried in vain to search for an escape for the two women. Tragically though, they were unable to find that escape route and both were overcome by the smoke and they died together lying side by side in Shannon's bed. It was of such small mercy that there were only two people in the flat at the time of the fire. Shannon's mum, Nicola, worked as a controller for a local taxi company and she was working at the time unaware of what was happening at her home while 15-year-old Brendan was out too. Tragically, both the family's pet cat and the pet dog were killed in the blaze. The attack had clearly been an intended one. The flat was on the fifth floor of an apartment block and surely any random attacker would choose an easier target to escape from. Initial police inquiries revealed that a neighbour had seen two people running rapidly down the stairs from the flat only moments before the blaze began. The whole block had been evacuated by the time that the emergency services arrived at 5.45am, with nobody else being hurt. Firefighters would of course see some incredibly harrowing things in their careers, but the discovery of the two bodies in their nightclothes, lying side by side, maybe appearing to draw some comfort together in their dying moments, must have been a particularly hard sight to see. The post-mortem carried out at the Royal London Hospital confirmed smoke inhalation as the cause of death for both Shannon and Pauline. It later emerged that Shannon had been heard screaming for just a few seconds before she was never heard again. In the circumstances of their deaths, the fact that both were even awake and conscious, even if only for a short time during the blaze, must have been incredibly painful for the family to hear. That terror they must have felt in their final moments, knowing they were going to die in their own home, the place that for all of us is supposed to be our sanctuary, is pretty hard to comprehend. As the wider community awoke to the horrible news of this double murder, for that is what Scotland Yard considered it at this earliest stage. This was no accident. Friends and relatives of the family were left overstated. Shannon's best friend, Shan told how Shannon had harboured dreams of becoming a city-high flyer. Fighting back tears, she said, I loved Shannon to bits. She was my best mate in the whole world. She was just a normal teenager. Really pretty and bubbly. We're all going to miss her around here. She was in college and had dreamt of becoming a businesswoman and buying a Range Rover. No one can believe this has happened. Another of Shannon's friends was Levi, who spoke to the press as she left flowers outside the flat where the pair had died, saying that Shannon was quiet but really lovely. I used to live on the third floor in her block. We were good friends. She was at college and doing really well. It's terrible. No one can believe it. I wonder if you've ever been to a house where a fatal fire has taken place. Have you been there the day after? It's peaceful and, well, so normal. Everything's so normal. People going about their everyday business except the signs of the fire. And it was the same here. Everything seemed so quiet as those paying their respects looked up at the flat. They couldn't take their eyes off the, the flat where the tragedy had taken place barely able to imagine the scenes of horror just hours before when the fire was raging. The property suffered huge damage, but forensic teams scoured diligently the remains and the streets near the burnt-out flat, for any clues which may have helped catch those responsible. The police received a number of pieces of information, including from Shannon's best friend Sean, who advised police that Brendan, Shannon's 15-year-old cousin, had been involved in a long-standing feud over money. Sean told how apparently Brendan had got into a fight with some local lads and they threatened to firebomb his house. He didn't believe them. But maybe they'd come back to carry out that threat. Of course, the police were only too aware that threats of such a nature are made daily. But considering the events that had taken place, they had to take the information seriously. That said, if this was the case, it would mean that Brendan, who was not in the flat at the time of the fire and was the apparent target of the threats, had been most fortunate and his cousin and grandma had been the unsuspecting victims. If true, this would be a terrible burden that Brendan would have to bear for the rest of his life. In the immediate aftermath of the attack, the firefighting crew from Bethnal Green Station lay a reef outside the block of flats but they also had information that would interest police. The crew were only 200 yards from the blaze in Shannon's flat, but they were unaware initially of the fire. This was because they had been called out minutes earlier to another arson in Welland Street around the corner. We only realised there was a blaze at Melmsbury House after we put out the fire in Welland Street, said a fire brigade officer. We heard the call on the radio from Bow Fire Station, requesting assistance when we got back to the fire engine and realised we were just 200 yards away. The bow crew turned up between 5 and 6 minutes after the alarm was raised, followed by crews from Whitechapel, Shoreditch, Homerton and Leytonstone. But the Bethnal Green Station in Roman Road was less than 2 minutes from Malmesbury House and had the crew not been diverted to the first incident, Fire Brigade officials claimed that these were vital minutes that could have increased the chances of a successful rescue. It was certainly beginning to look like the first incident was something of a false event, intended only to divert the Fire Brigade resources and disable them from attending the fire in Shannon's flat. Police of course linked the incidents, which, if true, showed a definite intent to kill. This was no warning. The police investigation continued slowly. But then out of the blue their inquiries were dealt a huge stroke of fortune when a 19-year-old man named Jack Sheehan wandered into an East End police station and handed himself in in connection with the arson attack. And shortly following this, 18-year-old David Phillip was arrested in Harlow in Essex. Were these the two men who had been spotted running from the flat on the night of the arson attack? After interviewing both men, Scotland Yard police certainly believe so, and on Wednesday the 25th of February, the pair were charged with murdering Shannon and Pauline. Sheehan of Bethnal Green and Philip of nearby Bow would appear at Havering Magistrates Court charged with the murders. The magistrates remanded the pair into custody and told both to appear at a plea hearing at the Old Bailey. Following the pair being charged with the murders of her mum and daughter, Nicola Vickers spoke to the media saying that she believed Shannon and Pauline may have been unintended targets in a revenge attack aimed at another person. There had been an argument, she said, but Shannon told me not to worry about it. The police told us that Shannon or Mum could not get out of the house because of the fire. They were both together in one room. I just kept thinking we should have been there. We should have been at that house in 15 minutes, if only we'd known they're in danger. It breaks my heart to think of what they must have gone through. To lose a mother and daughter at once. Shannon was my little girl. She never hurt anyone. What kind of animals could do this? The next court appearance for the accused was the plea hearing at the Old Bailey. Via video link, both men predictably pleaded not guilty to the arson attack. So it was that a trial was necessary to establish their guilt or otherwise. And a date was fixed again at the Old Bailey for the 7th of September 2009, before the pair were led away once again to their cells. For the family of Shannon and Pauline, though, lay an agonising wait for justice. Finally, as the first day of the highly anticipated trial opened, Simon Dennison, QC, laid out the basis of facts for the prosecution. The court heard that Sheehan and Philip had fought with an unnamed youth, this happened to be Brendan, the 15-year-old cousin of Shannon. This fight was earlier in the evening and was initiated due to Philip owing £15 to Brendan, who'd been letting it know in the area that Philip didn't pay his debts. This was apparently something very common with Philip, who regularly did not face up to financial debts he'd incurred. Shannon and Philip both later told the court they'd been sprayed with CS gas during the argument and at the end of the row, Philip, allegedly shouted in a fit of temper, we are going to burn your house down. This would be considered by most people an idle threat, but as Denison QC said, I quote, It is almost beyond belief But an hour or so later, Philip and Sheehan actually carried out their threat. It was alleged that the pair had become so arranged by the argument, over £15, let's not forget, that they siphoned petrol from a motorbike and then set fire to the vehicle before walking up to the fifth floor flat, armed with their deadly designs and a five-litre container brimming with petrol. The motorbike was the initial fire that firefighters had been called to, depriving resources that would be later required in Malmesbury House. As they approached the door of the flat, they poured petrol through the letterbox, then onto the door itself before setting both alight. As the fire took hold, the two innocent victims had no chance to escape, nor did the pets, before both were overcome by the effects of smoke inhalation. As the trial progressed, as we hear so often on this podcast, the two defendants began to blame each other for who had actually started the fatal fire. This was perhaps not unsurprising behaviour from these lowlifes who had murdered two innocent people in the most cowardly of circumstances. It also transpired that both men had called friends on their mobile phones in the immediate aftermath of the murders, confessing to what they had done. Why is this? Why do these criminals always feel the need to tell someone what they've done? Is it guilt? Bragging? Who knows? After three weeks of evidence, and both men hoping to evade justice by apportioning blame elsewhere, on Friday the 6th of November, the Old Bailey jury found both men guilty on two counts of murder, the relief in the courtroom was huge, and the delight obvious, as these two thugs will be removed from society as the trial concluded. the investigating officer of the case summed up the actions of Sheen and Philip, saying, "When the dispute came to a head between the three, Sheen and Philip threatened to burn down the family home with callous disregard for life. They carried out that threat, setting fire to the house." and taking the lives of a beloved grandmother and her granddaughter. I'd like to pay tribute to the family of Pauline Adams and Shannon Vickers, who have shown great dignity and bravery throughout this trial. I know the evidence they have heard has been very difficult, and I hope today's conviction can go some way in assisting them as they try to move forward with their lives. On the day of sentencing, the family of the murdered women waited patiently in the public gallery. They didn't have to wait long before the judge meted out justice to their obvious delight. As both Sheen and Philip were jailed for a minimum of 25 years each, there was loud cheering and applause from the gallery. Cries of scum and you two were going to rot rang out as the pair were taken down. The judge said that the men had been hell-bent on taking revenge for losing street credibility during the confrontation earlier in the evening. He said that the defendant's horrifying crime had struck at the very heart of Nicola Vickers, who had lost her mother and only child, in such agonising circumstances. The judge described how Nicola had shown faith in the power of human nature, when having been warned of the threat of someone setting fire to the address, she dismissed it, saying, Don't worry, nobody could be so cruel. Nicola Vickers was correct, said the judge. Such an act was a cruel act indeed. And in a family statement afterwards, Nicola Vickers said, I cannot express in writing the pain of losing my daughter. She was my life. Shannon was determined, hard-working, independent and caring. And I know she'd have grown into a well-rounded young woman. And of course, how can Shannon's brother ever come to terms with the fact that the murders were nothing to do with him? Just because he was involved in the incident that led to the threat, He's faultless. The fault lies purely with the two people who set fire to the flat. Let's fast forward to January 2017, eight years after the arson attack, where more evidence of Jake Sheehan's character was on public display by his rather unwise actions from inside his prison cell. The cocky convict showed little sign of any remorse as he posed for photos before posting them on Facebook using a smuggled phone. One of the pictures shows him smirking at the camera with only a towel wrapped around his waist, while another showed him raising his middle finger to the camera. It was discovered that he'd created a Facebook account under the alias Jake John from inside his cell at HMP Swellside Kent. The Ministry of Justice eventually confirmed that the phone had been confiscated and the social media account he was using deleted. A spokesman said, they would step up measures to find and block mobile phones in prisons, and those found with them can face extra time behind bars. So that's all right then. So what you make of what we've heard today? Firstly, it's yet another story of a man killing a woman in an act of violence. At a time when in the UK, we've all had to hear the terrible details of the killing of yet another innocent woman, Sabina Nessa. Killed walking to a pub. But returning to this story, that two innocent victims should lose their lives in some kind of warped retaliation to an argument over 15 quid is beyond comprehension, isn't it? All this respect stuff among certain groups in our society just goes way too far. Rather than teaching about the importance of respect all the time, maybe a little more time needs to be spent on teaching and recognising the importance of perspective, maybe the value of human life, and the importance of being able to walk away from a situation without reacting. Surely that's the mark of a much bigger person. But now, two young men have wasted their youth over a stupid argument. Their families would have suffered terribly. But of course, even more importantly, is the loss suffered by the family and friends of Pauline and Shannon. And to this end, the final word should perhaps rest with a comment made by a family friend following the deaths, saying I knew Pauline for over 35 years. You could not have asked for a better woman, mother and grandmother. She was very well respected in our community and in Bethnal Green, and there is not a person that would say any different. I'm only hoping it's going to be a better place now, without the likes of Jake Sheehan and David Phillip being there. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. That is all for me on this, my first comeback tour. How do you think it's gone? Reckon I'll be able to flog some dodgy merch on the back of it? Hmm. On that somewhat dubious bombshell, I'll be back on Tuesday as normal next week, fully recovered I hope, and every other Tuesday after that. So until then, please do take it easy, and most of all, stay classy. Cheerio for now.